The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is episode number 15. Oh my god. I am Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs. I'm joined as always by my co-host with the most, Mr Andy Blockley from the Big Horror and Little Podcast. How you doing, sir? How you doing, mate? Yeah, we're uh, rolling through these now. We're over halfway, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. It's a distant memory now. We are now charting in at about... I think we're at about four months left of the show, which is kind of sad feeling, but at the same time, the the list of movies running up for this last four months are just littered with fucking awesome. Um, yeah, I bought a few of them on Blu-ray in preparation, actually. Oh, have you? Yeah. Very nice. I like I like that idea of prep, especially when it's things like Inferno. <coughs> Inferno. <coughs> exactly. That's one of the ones I bought. I bought Inferno. I've got Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. I'm thinking of getting Funhouse. Lined up ready for when we watch that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, there's some good stuff coming up. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? So it's stuff like Cannibal Holocaust is just a distant memory now. It is. It feels like years ago that we, we discussed that movie. Um, and once again, I just want to go out uh, and just say right at the start of this episode, um, I did not hate any of these movies at all. No. So they're pretty decent coming up tonight. Yeah, which is, I'm starting to think that the non-prosecuted list is my bag. It's going to be more fun, I think. Um, you know, because it's, it's it's less films that are just on there just for vile, you know, rape and degradation and that sort of thing. And it's just stuff that's just full of pretty cool gore. And that's why it was initially, you know, raised to be prosecuted and then, you know, finally dropped because they realised it is just a bit of gore and it isn't that bad. Yeah, so it's kind of, they're, they're more watchable films, aren't they? More enjoyable, fun films rather than kind of, gritty, dirty films full of rape and horribleness, which, you know, both are good, but sometimes it just gets a bit heavy, doesn't it? You think, I just want to watch something that's a bit of a laugh. <laughs> Crack a joke. 
Yeah, for God's sake. So it's pretty cool that we're kind of coming out of this, you know, live at the end of the tunnel, we're coming out of this uh, and away from these horrendous films. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I also want to just note that this is episode number 15. Um, and at the end of this episode, we will have discussed 45 movies uh, on Doing the Nasty. And this is the first episode, Andy, that I can say hand on heart, without any ambiguity, this is a rape-free episode. Yes, it does... I've just lost the loud listeners now. <laughs> those, those hardcore rape listeners. Uh, maybe yeah. There is a, a, a good two attempted rapes in this, uh, in one movie. It doesn't count now, does it? If, uh, if not done to completion. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it just, uh, yeah. It, it's two attempted rapes uh, and eaten alive. Um or as it's known in this show for this context, Death Trap. Um, But yeah, no actual rapes in in these movies. So it only took us, you know, to get through 42 movies before we would get a show which would have three movies that doesn't have them. And I kind of feel a wee bit sad. I feel a wee bit sad that we're leaving that legacy behind. Well, it just means that the films are getting tamer, doesn't it? Which, you know, I just said, it kind of means they're a bit more fun, but... Yeah, I think the kind of the horrific stuff is kind of behind us now. I think. Yeah, I think it's all in the past now, and it's at the dawn of of a new day. And uh, with that in mind, we should probably tell you what we are actually reviewing on this show. So, um, coming up first will be Andy talking us through Contamination from nineteen eighty. Then I will bring the thunder uh, with Dead and Buried from nineteen eighty one, and then Andy will explain to us. the sense behind our last movie, Death Trap, aka Eaten Alive from 1977, mm-hmm. which, by the way, was Tobe Hooper's or Toby Hooper's follow up to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's the movie he made after it. Yeah. And that just. That's obvious, isn't it? As yeah. Well. It's just like he just, he just clearly didn't have enough redneck killing in that first movie. He just wanted some more. He just wanted some more. Uh, so, Andy, like I do at the beginning of every show, I need to ask you, what have you been up to? Well, I've been, I've been smashing the cast iron baths a bit with, with a hammer, is what I've been up to. So that's what I've been doing, and I've been tiling uh, and watching video nasties. <laughs> so that's basically my weekend was just taken up with, with that. What about you? Oh, I, uh, I am I'm trying to get in shape, Andy, which uh, is, a, is a tall task for a man that has five podcasts. Uh, <laughs> Aren't you doing some kind of obstacle? Course. Yeah, uh, for charity in, in the middle of September, I am doing a 12k um, SES assault course. So, about seven miles. Yeah, seven and a half. Yeah, it's like seven and a half, eight miles. Um, but it's, you know, you have to go through like pits of muck, uh, ice water baths. You run through a whole area where there's electric wires hanging down from the top of. Of like a, oh, a makeshift thing, so you get shocked. Like just, just the full works, and I'm doing this uh, for for charity to raise some money for a good cause. So, um, I used to be very fit when I was younger. I used to be incredibly fit. I used yeah. to 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 run um, in the in the Scottish team uh, when I was like 16, and uh, I was very. Very much in the, the, the capacity that I, even if I took like a couple of weeks off, I still never really doubted, you know, my fitness level. But I've taken like about a yeah. year and a half off of doing any exercises, yeah. going to gyms and stuff. And it is ridiculous how out of shape I am. So I'm, I'm currently... You know what, though? It's, all, 
it also comes back so fast when you've been fit before. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's getting there, it's getting there. So I, I've been doing a lot of that and obviously checking out a, a, a ton of the movies. Uh, currently on the podcast Under the Stairs, I'm doing a top 10 uh, Christopher Lee versus Vincent Price horror performance show so I've been watching a lot of Christopher Lee and Vincent Price movies so <laughs> I think what we'll do is we'll take a very short break Andy um, you're going to hear a promo for Johnny Krug because we we'll love that man and uh, you're also going to hear uh, some scholarly fellows uh, or females uh, talk about um, the first movie that Andy's going to bring us back in on which is Contamination from 1980 so um, we're going to be right back after this Do you like movie reviews that are insightful thought provoking and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities Then you've got the wrong show Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.kruegernation.com. The film was directed by Luigi Cozzi, a protege of Dario Argento, who unfortunately hasn't inherited the great uh, maestro's uh, directorial talent. Uh, Anyway, the movie starts with a boat steaming into New York Harbor laden with alien eggs. Uh, I always think this opening is a bit similar to the opening of Lucio Fulci's Zombie Flesh Eaters. When these eggs burst, they cause people, anyone standing near to them, their stomach explodes. But the, the effect is somewhat spoiled by the fact these eggs are just obviously balloons. And when they pop, you know, the people just next to them pop as well and in a just as equally unconvincing fashion. Hardly surprising that uh, when it was reissued a few years ago by Anchor Bay in the UK, the film was put out uncut and downgraded to a 15 certificate, which pretty much shows a sign of the times. We got a ship, the Caribbean Lady, heading towards the Marzano Bridge. It's not answering our radio calls. Hey, man, the suspense is calming. What do you think? There's not a soul in sight. Really weird. There's somebody in there, I'm sure of it. And welcome back. So this is going to be our first movie review of the evening. This is Contamination from 1980. Uh, This is an Italian movie directed by Luigi Cozzi. Um, also known as Alien Contamination and Contamination Alien on Earth. Oh, and Toxic Spawn. Now, the alien thing is going to come into play when I start talking about it because I mean, initially when this film kind of started, I thought, am I watching Zombie Flesh Eaters here? Because it's like a large <laughs> pulling into New York Harbour seemingly abandoned. And that seems, uh, seems pretty familiar. Um, the ship is then discovered to be carrying large containers of coffee hidden inside which are these like, weird egg kind of things um, so a crew is sent in you know, to explore this sort of ghost ship um, finds the mutilated remains of the former crew um, and then soon kind of finds out what's happened to them, it's these weird like green egg things but they're really playing on the alien thing like right from the, he goes, he goes it, it's like it exploded from the inside like, like something burst, you know like right out of it's alright fellas, like why don't you just look at the camera and go, alien, yeah alright <laughs> 
alien reference you get. We've even called it alien contaminate. It's like, yeah, and we get it. It's a fucking alien ripoff. But that's okay, because Alien's a fucking great film. So, you know, if a year later they want to come and, and rip it off, then fair play to them. But it's not as good as Alien, is it, unfortunately? No, no, no. But uh, it's a lot funnier than Alien. Um, these green eggs, though, they could be, like, giant avocados or mangoes. I don't know why they immediately think they're eggs. Um, <laughs> apparently what happens, like, the egg explodes, and whatever the shit is that explodes out of the egg, if that touches a human then they immediately explode as well from the stomach inwards, don't they? Which kind of, it looks like the worst case of explosive diarrhea in history. <laughs> it just comes right out of your stomach. And, I mean, it's really cheesy shit effects, but it's actually pretty cool, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the, you know, the stomach's exploding. Um, and then we just kind of go off and sort of the typical scientist gets called in, you know, they're trying to, you know, solve this problem out. And the scientists that they bring in is hilarious. It's like this kind of military woman, isn't it, that they bring in with uh, Ian McCulloch as well, who's also from Zombie Fleshy, is Ian McCulloch is in this movie. And he's kind of this, I don't know, he used to be like a pilot or something, and they kind of drag him in, and he doesn't really want to get involved in it. And then that leads us to the, the one of the funniest, what's meant to be like a rousing speech, isn't it, to kind of get her on board, get him on board with this little mission. And I've actually got a clip to play. So we should probably play that now because it's pretty hilarious. What do you want from me? With all my diplomas and official recommendations, I'm still a wreck. Then you can just go stew in your own juice, wallow in self-pity. But I thought that uh, under that wreck, there was still a man. A man who had the guts to go to Mars. A man who fought to the end for what he believed was right. A man who could help us save this frail planet from a fate worse than death. But that man remained on the glaciers of Mars, and this whiskey-soaked wreck is just you empty. You're a man, I What would you do? Nothing. You'd do nothing, Hubbard, because you're incapable of doing anything. You're too soft. You're half a man. That's just so that we understand one another. Yeah, I believe we do understand one another. Now, what about that little trip to South America? It's basically her kind of trying to force him into... You know, like in Mad Max, right? Where the guy that looks... You know the David Icke look-alike character? Yeah. Kind of tries to rouse Max into helping them and Max just punches him in the face. Yeah. It's a bit like that. Like, she starts kind of slagging him off and going, look, you used to be a man that did this and I thought you were a man that did this. And then he just belts around the face really hard and goes, that's just so we understand each other. And then all of a sudden, he's well on board with it. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Like, this is mental. I don't know who wrote the script, but it's fucking hilarious. Um, and then you've just got more alien rip-off stuff, like they're deliberately cultivating these eggs, which is obviously what kind of happens when the alien films are deliberately trying to cultivate these, like, monsters. Um, and then you've got the other, like, weird sidekick guy that thinks he's God's gift to women and even comes out of the line at one point. He goes, oh, she's the only woman I've never got past first space with. Like, he's really annoyed. And I'm thinking, no, 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 I don't actually know what first base means. I know Americans like to use baseball terms as to how far they've got with a woman. First base was like kissing. Is it? I think so, yeah. Second base, <laughs> what? Finger? Yeah, you would assume there's a bit of fingering going on. 
Or is it? No, wait, wait, wait. Is that not right? First base must be kissing. Right. Like this is this is. See in America, America, you have these like base things. See over here, you wouldn't go back to your friends and said, you know, oh, I got a snog. You wouldn't really speak to your friends unless you fingered her. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, which is pretty. Like, that's what my friends were like anyway. It usually involved where you hold your horrible fingers underneath someone's nose. Yeah. Um, which yeah, that's that's how that's how nasty we were over here. Um, nice, but yes, like, the Americans are probably a little bit more classy than us, then, aren't they? They've, yeah, I think, just, uh, yeah. they've, they've just invented a, a baseball-related euphemism where we just stick a pair of dirty, smelly fingers into someone's nose. Yeah, I, th- I think first base must be kissing. The second base, not your hands up the top. Uh, and then third base is a finger and fourth base is shagging, obviously. Hang on, no, no, home runs a shag. Surely. Is it? I don't know. Oh, yeah, it must be. Probably. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Someone in America, please explain to us your foreign ways. Because <laughs> I don't think there is a fourth base, is there? Isn't fourth base like the, I don't know, the home run? Yeah, the fourth base is like home run, which you would Third imagine base is... has got to be oral then. I thought it would be like a finger up the, you know... Boom. <laughs> Finger up the bum. <laughs> if you're that way inclined, I suppose. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We can spend all day trying to work out what, what these ba- this base system is. Um, uh, I lost where I was. Anyway, they, uh, I don't know, the weird octopus monster thing at the end is kind of what the film culminates to, isn't it? It was supposed to be, I think, like the Queen, I imagine. Um, which is quite a funny effect. The whole film is just pretty funny. Like, it's obviously an alien rip-off. It's like, they know it's an alien rip-off. They know we know. They know we know that they know. <laughs> but it doesn't really matter, does it? Because it's just quite good fun. Like, the script's ridiculous. So, you know, the dialogues, and, you know, some of the stuff that, that people say, obviously, you've just heard the clip, is insane. That's a completely serious bit of dialogue there with no irony. It's just brilliant. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and basically these weird green egg things are just trying to wipe out human life on Earth. So it's basically just the alien, but just set in the city, uh, minus the cool monsters. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. What did you think? Uh, well, having uh, you speak there has given me the time to, to approach Google with the question of what is third base, mm. um, and we have an answer. Go so on. some people only consider French kissing to be first base, yeah, it has to be Tom. Second base is direct physical contact, usually meaning his hands to her breasts. Okay. Um, what's what's also, kissing then? Is that's not direct? How do you kiss someone without direct physical contact? I don't know. It's, I don't think we should we should try and put too much logic in this. Uh, it also includes other forms of petting, touching, and groping. Third base may include manual or oral sex for either partner. Okay. So home hand runs, job. obviously. Handjob. Shagging. Yeah. Handjob. Uh, yeah, or that could be considered heavy petting, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so um, this movie, I dug the shit out of this movie. This movie was so much fucking fun. Um, uh, Luigi Cosi is um, is a name that I know quite well. He's He worked quite a lot with Argento. Okay. On a... Some of his his kind of later eighties projects. He's also the the man that did the very failed movie, and it's the name escapes me just now. But when um, Argento did, obviously was doing these Three Mothers movies. So he did Suspiria, he did Inferno, and then it was years later before he did the Three Mothers. Yeah, uh, Mother of Tears. Uh, so um, he did 
his version of one in the late 80s. Uh, and its name, it's going to annoy me. He did a version of it anyway, and apparently, I've never seen it, but apparently it's shite. Um, so, uh, it's also known as Demon Six, I think. It's one of these ones that gets lumped under the demon multitudes of sequels and, you know, other movies that came after. Um, mm-hmm. So, he's, he's a name that I, I know quite well. And it's funny that you pick up on a lot of those zombie flesh eaters. This movie was made the same time as zombie flesh eaters. Yeah. And it was made in, it was made in the adjacent like production studio. Oh, really? With the same so, actor as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's why Ian McCulloch's in it. Uh, yeah. it's, I think it's also why that shot's so similar at the start. I just think he just nabbed it. Um, it is, it's heavily, heavily influenced by Alien. Um, and obviously they didn't have the budget to set it in space, so they just set it in the city, which once again I think is pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Um, it's... It's scored by Goblin. Goblin did the soundtrack for us. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I fucking love Goblin. So you've got that. Um, it's cheesy. It's wacky. Um, Arrow have just put out the the Blu-ray of this. So I've got the the spec disc just now. I'm waiting on my copy coming in because it's it's on pre-order with uh, Videodrome. It'll come out the same. Yeah, I'll get I'll get them both at the same time, even Ooh. though it's. It's been out for a couple of weeks, so hold it back. But uh, the the Arrow release of it's fucking brilliant. It's immaculate looking. Um, and watching it, you just there's something really. We talked about previous movies which are set like like zombie apocalypse. Uh, no zombie apocalypse, cannibal apocalypse. I think is one of those ones where we say you can take something set in a city but make it seem so small. Mm. And this movie, for the pittance that it costs to make, feels huge. It does actually, yeah. The scale is pretty big on it, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it feels like it's something that is going to be affecting the whole world, um, and I love that. And it's it's there's a lot of quick cuts and trickery and and all the rest, but at, at its at its fundamental core, it is it's a cheesy alien ripoff movie, mm-hmm. and I fucking love it for it. I think. Um, there's, there's not many movies we've seen uh, in, in the nasties list that gave me much like fun. I was laughing my head off. See that slap sequence? You sent me the the clip to play in the show, but I was fucking giggling like a like a, like a small kid. It's brilliant because it's so out of the blue, right? And and it's and it's the sound effect. It's such a like wallop when when he hits her. I just thought, where did that come from? Like she's obviously trying to kind of belittle him into helping her so she's kind of saying you know you used to be a guy that would help you used to be a you know brave man and all this and he just fucking claps her and I fucking laughed out loud because it's just so bizarre random and then that's almost them shaking hands and sealing the deal that he's going to help with the belt around the face and she accepts that that's fine she's like yep yeah, fine that that's you know that's good that that's like our little our little handshake and let's go and it's like she she's not even bothered that he's hit her and that's why it's so funny it's just so random you think who wrote that in there <laughs> only in an Italian film would that be in there but is, is that is that sort of thing again like I am aware of this movie but have never seen this movie yeah. um, and well up until until watching it for the show and. Um, it's one of these ones where, like, Italian cinema is such a a, a different beast entirely from anything else. Um, that they, they did, especially this time period, they were doing a lot of. I mean, we've already covered covered a couple. Of Look at Absurd, which is basically a Halloween ripoff. Yeah. Um, and 
every now and again they do something but they put their own spin on it and for whatever reason it just makes it magical mm. to watch and this movie falls into that that category i i had so much fun the the slow motion explosions of people's bodies in this movie are fucking amazing yeah. <laughs> like absolutely amazing and then even down to the fact that it doesn't even hide the fact that it's it's like trying to copy Alien with the with what are basically like footballs painted green. Yeah. Um, which, you know, and, yeah, it's yeah which which look similar to those those ones that we saw, you know, in, in Alien. They look similar to the eggs, obviously not the right shape, but they're a similar sort of idea. Um, the the alien spores have a kind of lethal sort of acid that comes out of them, which once again alien. Um, but fundamentally, there's there's a mix of everything here. It's it, you know, it's like it's on some level, it's like invasion of the body snatchers. You know, the pod people, and um, yeah, I just I actually had an absolute blast with this movie. I highly, highly recommend it. It is up in its entirety on YouTube. I've posted it to the Facebook page, so this is one that if you have a spare hour and a half, watch this movie, sit back, and just you know allow the ridiculousness to engulf you. It's fucking brilliant. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I would recommend this one. Yeah, it is good. It made me laugh. Um, what do you think ratings wise to it? Yeah, this one. Right, if, if we're going on, on ratings, um, I slap on the wrist. I think there's some there's some decent gore with the slow motion explosions. Yeah. Um, that I think yeah probably a slap on the wrist feels quite fair did it deserve to be on the prosecuted list no mm. no definitely not it's too much fun yeah that's the thing there's nothing kind of malicious or you know it's just kind of gross out yeah bit of little you know body horror kind of almost isn't it you know stomach exploding it's a bit of off falling in there and when the eggs explode it's obviously just a balloon kind of filled with gunk so the reason i wouldn't dismiss this is because it's a decent little film you, know, yeah. you can kind of see why people might be a bit grossed out by people's stomachs exploding um, so yeah it is just a slap on the wrist and it, it deserves its place on the drop list um, there's no good reason why this would ever be prosecuted because it is just a bit of fun and it's been re-released now fully uncut with only a 15 certificate whereas most of the films on the prosecuted list when they are released uncut they're 18 aren't they oh yeah they're, they're straight on the 18 list yeah. 15. so I think just the fact that this is a 15 certificate kind of shows you you know it was never that bad in the first place uh, yeah. And hence it being dropped, you know, it never was prosecuted in the end, was it? So no, no it never was. They tried to, and they just couldn't get a prosecute uh, a prosecution on it. So uh, yeah, so that that's the the first one down. I think we're both saying watch this movie then. Oh yeah, I recommend it. It's, I mean, it's not a good movie. You know what I mean? It's like if Alien is an A list movie, this is a well and truly this is a B movie. Yeah, this is a B movie. A, yeah. a real typical, and it belongs back in the fifties, really. Um, but yeah, if you like that kind of thing, I mean, I'm not going to go out and say, oh, this, oh, this film's amazing, but if you like that kind of B-movie, schlocky, sort of gore, bad dialogue, amusing, you know, just amusing situations with characters that you just can fucking help, only in an Italian movie would you like that. Then you're going to love this film. So yeah, I would recommend it, definitely. This is uh, probably, you know, this is one of a couple that we're going to recommend tonight as well. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So, um 
what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break. Uh, you're going to hear promos for shows on the Horror Failure Podcast Network. It's the network that you can listen exclusively to this show, surrounded by some of the best horror podcasts out there just now. Um, and then after that, there's going to be those scholarly folk coming back to tell you a little bit about Dead and Buried from 1981. And when we return from the break, I'm going to be discussing it right after this. The Nanoazer is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazell, I think we should record a new ad for Bananoazer. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Bananoazer Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man, I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, well, hold on. We could talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Wazer is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. Banana Laser wins every time. Dead and Buried is an odd film. I mean, it seems too glossy a production to be on a video nasties list somehow. Uh, There are scenes of violence in it, particularly uh, one memorable scene of a hypodermic being forced into a hospital patient's eye, which didn't do any favours in terms of its legal status. But other than that, there are a number of key talents working on this movie which shift it out of the domain of mere exploitation movie. This movie is blessed with three very creative talents working on it. First of all, screenwriter Dan O'Bannon, fresh from his uh, genre-busting success with Alien. And alongside him, a very, very underrated director, Gary Sherman, who did the wonderful Brit 70s horror movie Deathline. And Stan Winston is a third participant who provided the film with some of its major special effects. From the creators of Alien, Terror. Brought down to earth. Fear so intense it will stay with you to the grave and beyond. Welcome to Potter's Bluff. Come back. So this is the second movie review of the show. This is Dead and Buried from 1981 and directed by Gary Sherman. Um, and this movie stars James Farantino, Melody Anderson, Jack Albertson, Dennis Redfield. A lot of folk that I don't actually know. But Robert England is in this movie. Uh, obviously, everyone knows Robert England. Um, 
and he might be <coughs> FYI this is not the only time he appears on the show tonight mm-hmm. uh, so uh, yeah the, the synopsis for this movie a suspense horror film set in a small coastal town where after a series of gory murders committed by mobs of townspeople against visiting tourists the corpse begin to come back to life. Um, it's funny because if you look at the, this has got an amazing story. If you look at the the poster for this movie, um, it says "From the Craters of Alien brings a new terror to Earth," and it, that is a bit of a lie, uh, but yeah. it's true at the same point. Uh, Dan O'Bannon, uh, the guy that wrote Alien, um, did have a hand in this, but he kind of wrote like a when Alien he wrote this I think it was before Alien or it was just after Alien and he wasn't happy with it so he kind of wanted his name t- taken off it and Gary Sherman the director basically said to him I'll tell you what if you or sorry Jeff Miller said if you um, let us make this movie we will change it in a way so it doesn't resemble the original script and uh, they didn't change it at all so okay. Dan O'Bannon couldn't take his name off it. <laughs> uh-huh. So they basically pinned him into being against this because yeah. O'Bannon is a big name, you know, in, oh, in the cinema. Yeah. And to tie him into this movie obviously gave it a bit more of a clout than than what it would uh, usually expect to be. The first thing to say about this movie it is very, very Twilight Zone. Um, incredibly Twilight Zone, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say just now, I think I had... I think I, this is my favourite movie of the three we've done. As much as I love Contamination, I think this one is my favourite movie that we've done on this show. And I'm going to go one step further and say this is my favourite one that we've done in a while, excluding like the the Fulci ones and uh, the Argento ones. Yeah. I fucking dug the shit out of this movie. I'd never seen this before. Oh, I and, see, I had seen it before. And when it came up, I thought, oh, I remember this. So I watched it a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. and it is really good. Like whereas Contamination is like a, a, a bad good movie. Yeah. This is a good good movie. This is yeah. a this is a decent little horror film that like you know takes you by surprise because it's got really high production values. This. I had no idea where this was going at all. Like absolutely no idea where this was going. So the the synopsis there is kind of kind of spot on. Basically, people are dying at the hands of the Tim's people. Our, our um, sheriff is looking into it. Uh, but the people that are dying are coming back to life and seemingly um, are kind of very devoted to the town after they come back. And it turns out that the, the, the ending, spoiler alert, um, is that the mortician uh, in the town who was disbarred from practice in a previous county is basically he's found a way to bring people back to life, reanimate them <laughs> and control them to make the perfect society. And... Um, our, our cop friend who gets to the bottom of it doesn't know that he's been reanimated as well. Um, and he's just part of the system, so it ends with that creepy kind of thought. But this movie kicks off with a woman getting her tits out, getting some photographs snapped with the, the kind of whimsical, sexy music from the 1980s. And then they you must have thought there's something wrong here. This isn't too easy, like no. Yeah, he didn't have to. He didn't have to drop some LSD into her drink. You know, <laughs> didn't have to put her under hypnosis. No didn't have to get the gun out. No roofies. You know what I mean? She just she just got them out pretty quick. Um, and it's explained later on why she why she does. But 
he like the, to set the tone for this movie. It started and there was like snapping on the beach with this, and I genuinely thought this is going to be a struggle. <laughs> like for the first like two minutes of this movie, I was I'm going to struggle through this because this cheesy music is annoying me. Mm. Look at the hairstyles. Look at the fucking clothing. Oh my god, they're on a beach, they're taking photos. What the fuck has this got to do with it? And from a title like Dead and Buried, I'm expecting zombies. Yeah. So I was like, oh, are the zombies going to come over the hill? Are they going to come out the water? Where are they going to come? And then the Tim's people grab this guy, beat the shit out of him, and then get a fishing net, wrap it round him, compress his face in this really sore angle. Mm. They get thing full of gas or petrol as we like to call it over here douse him in it and then set him a light at the beginning of the movie while taking photos of him Last and week. I was watching it going what the fuck is going on here see from that this movie had my undivided attention I was like Leonardo DiCaprio and fucking Django Unchained I was like first you had me interested now you have my undivided attention <laughs> I was sitting there with my coconut filled with fucking Mai Tais or whatever they are, watching this movie, fucking buzzing at how how down the rabbit hole this movie goes. I love the fact that you know who's doing all the killing and the sheriff doesn't know, but and then the sheriff is interacting these people on a day-to-day basis and as the web is cast further out, you kind of start to get that. It's kind of like the thing and that you don't know who you can trust and who you can't trust. No. Um, and it just keeps spreading out and it, like I say, I think the, the the most apt way to, to compare it is maybe to something like an EC comic. Uh, there is a kind of a, a vibe of the creep show about this, but at the same time, very much a Twilight Zone thing. You know, one guy in a town where everyone's acting a particular way and he doesn't know why, he tries to get to the bottom of it and realises that he's part of the same machine. Yeah. Um, but just everything about it, it, it just had me hooked. Um, it's great to see Robert England cast before you know he became Freddy uh, and you, you remember why he got cast as Freddy, he's a good actor I like Robert England um, but furthermore it's, it was just really cool to see the mystery unfold, I mean there's not many horror movies that you get nowadays or that I often see that have this, this yeah. really cool idea of a mystery behind it and this movie had it and I, I followed it right through genuinely not knowing where it was going to end or how it was going to end and then getting to the very end, and obviously when you meet the, the mortician for the first time or the coroner, you kind of realise there's something a wee bit off about him. Um, just the way he talks, the way he acts. The way he talks is great, isn't it? He's so like, OTT. <laughs> it's really weird. It's kind of yeah, slow, deliberate and completely over the top. And then when it's revealed that very, very much like, you can see that it's like, the, the inspiration, the well pull which creates movies like Halloween 3 and stuff like that, all come back to this the creepy older man that's really the manipulator controlling the 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 town, etc. It, it just, it had me hooked. Um, I dug the shit out of this movie. Even then, I, I thought the ending was, was deliciously dark mm. in a way that I like my horror movies to be, not to, to have this happy ending where, you know, he solves the mystery and then the police rescue the day. I love the fact that at the end of it, this is just going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, he's now he's now more a part of it than ever before. Mm. Um, fucking brilliant. Absolutely, really, genuinely, I love this movie. I think this movie is, how have I never heard of this movie? I know, it's mental. I think we should do a genuine kind of spoiler alert for the next five minutes because I think if people haven't seen this, yeah. they really should 
like check it out before it's spoiled because the ending is really good. So yeah. Let's go into spoilers then. Basically, like Sheriff Dan, who's kind of our like almost hero that we're kind of following throughout the film on this mystery, he is also one of these zombies. Yeah. Which I kind of thought, because one of the first things I thought where they messed it up is I thought the guy that they killed at the beginning obviously comes back as one of the townsfolk. How does the sheriff not remember him? And go, yeah. hang on a minute, you've been here all along, but you only turned up the other day because you're the, you're the reincarnated dead guy. But they write it off in a very simple line that the dead have no memory. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so any any kind of thing where you thought, oh, they've fucked, they've fucked up, like, this is bad, bad writing here, they've messed up. No, it's not because the dead have no memory. So he has no memory that it was his wife that killed him. Obviously, that we get to see in the big reveal, like when the you know the video that he shows him of the woman like killing the guy, and and then he looks down to see his decomposing hands. He's a bit like Death Becomes Her, isn't it? The mortician guy. Basically, he's found this way to, to bring people back from the dead, but they're decomposing bodies, so he has to come and touch them up. He's like um, he's like the guy from uh, Six Feet Under. who's like an absolute master at recreating, you know, at, at sorting out dead bodies and making yeah. them look completely real enough for you know for the open casket. So the townsfolk go to him regularly to be touched up, so they look you know like normal functioning human beings. And that's a really creepy image at the end where Sheriff Dan like, looks down and his hands are totally decomposing. And he's like, it's time for a touch-up, Dan! <laughs> the doctor. Yeah, so yeah. So like, it's fucking great. And, like, I watched this film first time a couple of years ago after reading about people saying how great the ending was. Um, so I watched it and then I didn't realise it was coming up in the nasty because it's, it's weird that this has kind of got... Up. It's almost like this, the, the, this is too good a film to be on the video nasties list. Yeah, I don't know how much of the, the, the opening sequence, once again, we've spoken before about how maybe... And, the, and then did it make you jump when uh, they find the body in the car and he's not there? Yeah, yeah I think it's. I think there's, there's some bits in here that are genuinely not only creepy, but like, you know, the, the kind of... The fact that what this movie does really well is you kind of... You're in ground level with the, the cop, hmm. so you're doing all the investigations with him and the story's unfolding to you, but you know who the killers are. So yeah. when things like that start happening, they they quite take you aback. But I think, like we've spoken before many times about how a lot of these movies made the nasty list because the, the, the group, the powers that be, sat down and watched the first couple of minutes of a movie. And if there was a rape or something like that, it was on the list. And the first couple of minutes of this one, someone's viciously lynch mobbed and then burned yeah. at the stake. That it doesn't surprise me it made the list. Had they watched yeah. it, the rest of the movie and realised how very well made the movie is. I mean, like, the first five minutes of this movie, a woman gets her tits out while being photographed and a man's burned alive. So, yeah, I could kind of see maybe where they were going with it. Good point. (laughs) Yeah, but when you, genuinely, when you start watching the the levels of mystery and intrigue with the movie and creeping dread and the way the whole story unfolds to the most ridiculous of endings, the, the most Twilight Zone of endings, there's no way you could, I'd, I'd genuinely think, there's no way you could consider this anywhere near remotely needing to be on the nasty list. Mm. Um, and I think that's I think that's quite telling. I think when, when you get into the kind of nuts and bolts of the movie, I think that's when any potential argument for putting this movie on a list it just kind of fizzles away. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, there is some brutal stuff in it. Like, there's a guy, basically the guy that gets burned at the beginning um, isn't dead, uh, yeah. and, and we we cut to him in the um, in the hospital, and he's almost in like a full body cast. 
And the nurse comes in and just fucking bangs him in the eye with a needle, which if yeah. you're not into eye violence, is just fucking brutal. And there's some other stuff as well, because initially you, you just think it's this like small group of the community that are going around killing everyone. But it's not, they're all doing it, and they're all fucking savage bastards, and they all video it as well. Like that's what makes that's what adds like an extra level of creepiness is that they either record, you know, photograph or video themselves killing these people. And I'm not really sure why that is. Um, is there a reason for that? Like, I, part, I, I'm part just part assuming it's or, for it's for the weird mortician guy because he plays all that footage back, doesn't he? I don't know if it's for a record that if they ever I try and go away, they okay. can be showing themselves dying. Yeah, or maybe it's um, just so he's got footage of them before they get fucked up, so you know how to recreate them and get them looking like they how they used yeah, to look. Be, and I love the fact that they don't explain it, which I think once again was mentioned in the previous like uh, like in previous reviews. You don't need to spoon feed people. No, and that's know, such like, a so sometimes it's just great when you don't. Yeah, it's such a mistake now that Hollywood make where they feel that you need to be spoon fed all this information, and, that, and it's weird because that was one of the criticisms of the Mad Max movie. Yeah, who who's Furiosa? What who are the, who are the wives and who are the fat ones? We you know they're getting the milk from and and who are the war boys? Like who cares? Like well, you don't need to know all that stuff. Like it's brilliant that you just kind of sit in and subtly work it out and put, and put your own little you know ideas behind it. And it's like with this, it doesn't matter why the video in it or how how come Sheriff Dan like is the only one who doesn't seem to be in on it and all that. It doesn't matter about that. It's it's part of the story. You just have to kind of get swept up in it. Like you say, it's this whole Twilight Zone vibe. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just really fucking good. And this is this is one of them films on the nasties list where because of that opening couple of minutes, you can see why it's on the list. And, but it's weird because I think more people need to know about this film. It's, I think this is almost like criminally kind of. Uh, it's, it's just not well known enough. This for me, I'm surprised. Uh, is it go by any other names? No, that's the thing. It. That's the thing about this one. This is the only movie on the list this mm-hmm. week, which doesn't have another name, and that's why. Like, I'm I'm just very surprised. I kind of pride myself on. And known like quite a lot of like cult eighties cinema, and I'd never heard of this movie or never come across it before. And when you yeah. see the poster artwork for it, and the fact that it's tagged as from the you know the the guys behind Alien, I don't know what I expected from this. Obviously, the name kind of evokes this idea of zombies, zombie movies. There was plenty out at this time, but yeah. it's just it's just a really kind of captivating, engrossing kind of obviously there's a reason it has this like really strong cult status now and it's not because it was on a, a nasties list this movie tanked when it came out um, but apparently it did really well on VHS and um, yeah I, I need I, this This is a movie that if it's not out on blue already this movie will be getting put to the collection pretty quick um, yeah. I loved it I, I really genuinely I can't stress that enough like Andy's saying this is like one of these ones which is you know it's it's too well made to be on a list like this I, and you, you're saying that you think more people should see it I 100% agree I think this is a probably of the movies we've seen before of the ones that we you know we have stre- strenuously recommended like your Filchies and your Argentos and shit like that this one is yeah it's up there it's up there in terms of my recommendation straight away of a movie that I think you just need to sit and watch. I think it's really fucking good. Yeah. I mean, you can get this on Amazon for like a couple of quid used. Um, you can get a US import of it on Blu-ray. Uh, so All right. I imagine it's probably going to come out. So you see, I, don't, I don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but the action is more exciting. Uh, I don't know much about action. Hey, you got a light? Sure, man. Allow me, scum. The babes are hotter? Wait, there's babes involved? How about some of this? So tasty and hard and firm, and it just melts in your mouth. The kills get gorier and more extreme? Uh, kills? Did we talk about this? Oh, uh, never mind. So five sloppy seconds, the movie sequel podcast, exclusively on the Horrorfilia Network. Because when all other podcasts are through, we're already thinking about part two. Hi, I'm, my name's Brad Stevens, and I'm going to be talking about uh, Toby Hooper's Death Trap, uh, one of the more curious entries on the Video Nasties list. Um, here you see the cover of the Vipco uh, video release. It had originally been released by a company called VCL. The VCL version was the uh, version, I think, by the BBFC. But this release was uh, almost uncut. It certainly contained all the violent scenes. I say it's uh, one of the more curious entries on the list because you have to remember, Toby Hooper had made uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is absolutely notorious, and it was banned by the British censor. Death Trap was almost completely uncontroversial. It was released uh, in cinemas. There were some minor censor cuts. Uh, and yet it was Death Trap uh, and not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which ended up on the Video Nasties list. If you were one of the millions of moviegoers who were electrified by the unbearable suspense and sheer terror of Jaws, get ready for Eaten Alive. <laughs> Okay, welcome back to our third and final movie review of the evening. This is Eating Alive uh, from the USA, 1977, directed by Toby Hooper. Now, this is obviously his follow-up, quite obviously as well his follow-up to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He just wanted a little bit more of the craziness and... Uh, <laughs> I think we get it, don't we, in this? Just a bit, just a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of different to, to Texas Chainsaw, just in as much as that's quite a, a coherent movie. Obviously, it's a bit, you know, the characters are crazy and the stuff that happens is a bit out there with the family and stuff. But with this one, this is just like some kind of weird acid trip. It's so bizarre, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's just such an odd film. We've got Robert England in it. And he, I don't know what he's doing at the beginning. He's like trying to get this prostitute to do something. I'm assuming it's taking up the bum. Yeah, I think it's he and all. Yeah. Yeah, and she's obviously just not up for it. Um, so she, does she kind of go on the run to this uh, this hotel? Yeah, she she decides that. Yeah, so she decides that she doesn't want to do anal and um, this angers the mistress of the, 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 the whorehouse who basically says to her, if you're not prepared to do what the customer wants, then you need to get the fuck out. Yeah. So as she's leaving, the the, the kind of coloured lady who is the, we can only assume, some sort of house help or something, because that's how racist this movie is, <laughs> um, suggests to her that there's some uh, hotel just up the road and she should go up there, but shouldn't tell the man in there that she has come from this house. Because there's a certain reputation that goes with working in this house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's worth noting as well that um, any fans of Kill Bill out there that um, love that line, um, the name is Buck, and I like to fuck. Oh yeah. 
It's taken from this movie. Really? Okay. Because that's what that's... Robert England says, and I was like that. No fucking way. But I missed, it, it, how did I miss that? I missed it. I can't believe it. He basically says to her, you know, the name's Buck, and I'm here to fuck. And um, she starts to freak out. It's so when he's taking his belt off as well. The scene's almost mirrored um, in, in, in uh, Kill Bill. Okay. And uh, I did a bit of typing online, and turns out, yeah, that's where Tarantino took it from. Tarantino mm-hmm. likes this movie. Um, so, yeah, so she goes away up there, and she comes across this hotel which happens to be beside a swamp um, and it's run by the most redneck redneck man in Redneksville Uh, he makes makes the family in Texas Chainsaw look normal he does Um, and he has the most you know how like some people keep cats some people keep dogs some people are more exotic they keep pet tarantulas snakes Um, some people keep rare and exotic birds occasionally monkeys this guy has went the next level, Andy. He's, he's seriously taken to the next level, yeah. It's a giant fucking crocodile, and this thing is huge. Yeah. And well, he yeah, likes to feed the patrons to the crocodile, doesn't he? He likes to feed everything to the crocodile, and basically, from the moment that she steps in there, uh, the, as soon as the, the hotel owner knows that she has come from the whorehouse, he basically chases her, and... Uh, feeds her to the croc and then it's a series of different guests arriving at the house and being fed to the croc and the movie kind of skirts this weird line of being like a kind of 70s kind of you know nature gone amok you know thinking of movies like grizzly or or hmm. things like uh, food of the gods and things like that oh, let me and just, also sorry let me just interrupt quickly right the trailer compares this to jaws yeah <laughs> which is that is a little bit of an insult. It's like <laughs> I see what you're going for. Jaws, it is not. It's it's funny because because uh, obviously Jaws is is is, uh, is Spielberg, um, and the two then would go on later on. Poltergeist, you know, so uh, and you can tell that Spielberg directed Poltergeist and not Hooper uh, because of the way this movie looks and the way so the other looks. Can you imagine if Toby had done Poltergeist in this style? Oh, it'd be the scariest fucking film. <laughs> that would have been a completely. It would. It would not have been. It would not have been a PG. <laughs> um, I like because like Poltergeist is one of is the movie one of the movies that prompted the the introduction of PG-13 in the States because it was just too terrifying to be given a PG rating. Well, that's like the face peeling scene. I always think that when people go, it's just a PG. It's like, yeah, but yeah. the face peeling scene is pretty brutal. There's a whole generation of kids went to see that in the cinema and were scarred for life. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's, like, Hooper has this weird way of He's a very goofy director at the best of times, and you see that in movies like like Texas Chainsaw Massacre has some goofy. And the fact that Tob Hooper says um, that, in his opinion, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a comedy, mm. that pretty much makes me think that he has the darkest sense of humour of any human being on the planet. Um, it makes more sense when you see Chainsaw Two, which is more, which is obviously a comedy. But it's weird. It's like Freaking said that Exorcist isn't a horror. Yeah. So like it is, mate. And like you know, Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre is not a comedy, my friend. Yeah, and like, I, but you get, I get the feeling the more of Hooper's movies that I see when you watch movies like Life Force or The Mangler, or if you see things like Funhouse, which is a movie we'll be doing soon you'll see that he always skirts this really weird kind of surreal level of 
of kind of goofy, but it's, it's like... It's certainly dark comedy, isn't it? In it's Texas dark. Chapter. There's real dark bits in there. And I think what's weird, like the way that takes... I'm just moving... I'm briefly just moving back off the, of this moving on to Texas Chainsaw. Like, initially, Leatherface is really fucking scary. And then you realise that he's just this little timid, little, like, demented kid. Yeah. He's terrified of his little withered old dad. And all of a sudden, he's not that terrifying anymore. You know, it's that kind of, it's that kind of weird sense of humor. You know, look what your brother did to the door and smacking around the broom and stuff. That is amusing. Like, that's yeah. darkly comic. So I kind of see where he's coming from. But this film is just balls out fucking bizarre, isn't it? Like, all the it's, way through. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's so off the wall. And it's so... Like, the quirky aspects of Chainsaw, like injected with steroids to the max and, mm-hmm. and suffering extreme amounts of roid rage um, it just, it, there's a weird fucking tone that flows through this entire movie that just makes it, in my opinion it, it's unsettling at bits because you, the, the fact that you've got a killer running around with it's, it's like a creature feature meets a, a, like a slasher movie <laughs> yeah. because if the alligator's not getting them, sorry the crocodile's not getting them, he's running around with a giant scythe he is like just dead. Chasing, yeah, chasing people into the path of the crocodile, if anything, isn't he? Like, Which is fucking... It's like adding an other level of fucking terror. You've already got a giant fucking crocodile in this movie. Do we need a redneck man chasing someone with a scythe? Apparently, Hooper thinks we do. Oh, we, uh, we certainly do. Is, is the, who is the guy that plays the main kind of redneck character? It's not... Because obviously Marilyn Burns is in this, isn't she, from Texas Chainsaw, kind of playing a similar sort of victim. Yeah, mm. uh, this is, um, is this not... Brand, isn't, uh, isn't it? Yeah, and apparently he is, he's more commonly known in America as being a bit of a, a villain in movies, played a lot of villains. Um, he's I think he's played, fucking lunatic in this, he's like brilliantly like, psychotic, isn't he? He's just fucking uh, He's, he's, he's phenomenal in this movie and he's what sells the movie because he has that level of absurdity without being so, you know, he, he skirts a thin line of being scary absurd that if he did it just a little one, maybe one iota more, yeah. it would just be, you know, shit. But he just kind of skirts that line and the story, like I say, is preposterous. It's about, you know, a guy who's feeding people to his giant crocodile and apparently no one is noticing all these people going missing. I love it, the fact that the, the police do fuck all in this movie and arrive right at the very end. <laughs> uh, like, right at the last, like, two minutes they arrive as Judd is unfortunately fed to his own creature. Which is, you know, the ending you know is going to happen in this movie from the moment you realise there's a guy feeding people at crocodiles. You know eventually he's going to be fed to his own crocodile. Um and I love the fact that the police show up at the last minute, useless to the end. Um, and it, it works, I think, like I say, there's a lot in this movie just... It's entertaining as fuck. It's a terrible movie. It's a te- it's, it's poorly executed, it's poorly shot, the acting and story are ropey, um, out with, you know, the Neville Brand character. And the acting's a bit fucking ropey in this movie. The effects aren't all that great. Mm. Um, everything is shot at a weird red light in the in the hotel for some reason probably to hide how cheap the set looks like see when they're running up the stairs you can see the walls shake <laughs> um, it's that cheaply made but I I argue anyone not to say that this isn't entertaining 
Uh, it's it's just fucking nonsense. It's an hour and a half of over the top ridiculous redneck nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my probably my least favorite of the three movies that we we looked at this week, but easily better than than I would say more than a quarter of what we did in the previous the previous list. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something kind of. Because, like I say, Hooper's a, a wildly inconsistent director. After this movie, he does Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. And Salem's Lot is a fucking terrifying haunted movie. You know, haunting movie. It's a terrifying haunting movie. Uh, and this movie, you would not believe the same director did both because this is so goofy and so over the top and mm. so batshit crazy that to, to equate those two movies from the same director doesn't work for me. Yeah, it's weird because as goofy as it is, like you know the scene in Texas Chainsaw when I mean we keep comparing it, but we're bound to because it's fucking very similar. It's obviously by the same guy, but like, yeah. you know the dinner scene that's just fucking chaos, really <laughs> jarring and just like fucking hell, it's really full on. Like the dinner scene from Texas Chainsaw, you get about thirty minutes of that kind of tone in this movie. That's just yeah. fucking wild and chasing people around the hotel, shouting and screaming, like swinging his side around. It's like, yeah, you need to watch this. I mean, you probably might not watch it again once you've seen it once, but I think it's definitely worth a look just to see the continuation of that almost Texas Chainsaw universe, almost, isn't it? You know, yeah. Judd could be what could be the brother of the dad from the first Texas Chainsaw movie. Oh fuck yeah, yeah. He's, really... His long lost brother or his uncle or something. You know, it's totally yeah. in, in in that universe. Yeah. Um, Robert Englund's great in it. Is just this weird fucking redneck. Um, Marilyn Burns, I think it's the last film she did before she just kind of disappeared into oblivion and we never saw her again. Yeah. Um, and she's pretty good in it. She's probably one of the most believable kind of parts. Um, and it's weird because like Robert England's character seems to be obsessed with sex, but then when he gets a really attractive prostitute, he's not interested in having sex with her. He's just more interested in finding out what's going on in the hotel, isn't he? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's all he seems to be bothered about. Which is a bit rubbish. She's sitting there, tits out, and he's just going, hang on a minute, I'm just going to go and see what's going on over here. And he's like, come on, mate. Your, your book is raring to fuck, apparently. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> apparently not. Until, until he sees a shiny penny. Oh, a penny. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> because, like, I don't know why this is on the list in Texas Chainsaw or isn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You would imagine that it's probably because... Chainsaw had been out for for quite a while, and the VHS distribution of this one probably landed right at the wrong time. Yeah. Okay. Um. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I doing a bit of reading. Uh, this one took, uh, basically, when Texas Chainsaw Massacre finished, Hooper went right into this project, and it took him years to finish it. Um, which is weird because it genuinely looks like it's been shot over a weekend. Here's the shit. This movie. But it did. He really struggled to get this one out, and uh, it has a cult following. Um, for for people out there, it has that kind of quirky cult following. But at the same time, it's 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 a weird fucking movie. It's really really weird. And one again, where Arrow's just put this out on Blu-ray, um, or it's just about to get released on Blu-ray. One of the two. Yeah. Uh, and um, I'm considering it. I'm actually considering, it, if nothing else, to to add to my, my Hooper collection from Arrow because uh, they've obviously put out Funhouse and they put out Life Force as well so um, I am considering but it's not the sort of movie it's the sort of movie that you get a group of your friends you get some beers in you sit down you can chat 
amongst each other's and every now and again look at the TV and you're guaranteed to see something completely over the top and preposterous but fucking entertaining as shit. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's another recommend. This is a third recommend from me. Obviously, like I say, with a caveat that this is not on the same level as the other two movies. This one is schlocky as get out. But uh, yeah, I had I had a blast watching all three of these movies, and I know the inevitable question is how do I grade it? And uh, this one lands the same as the other ones. It's a slap on the wrist, and no, it shouldn't have been on the on any shouldn't been on the prosecuted list for sure, and it shouldn't been on this one. So uh, yeah. So um, what about yourself, Andy? What do you think? Yeah, totally agree, mate. Um, Full House with that tonight slap on the wrist shouldn't have been on there. Um, I mean, it's a weird film, isn't it? You know, we, I'm, I'm going to recommend that you watch it. I'm not going to say, oh, this is a fucking great film. You're going to love it. But it's, it's it's an interesting film to watch as a follow-up to Texas Chainsaw because I'm assuming that pretty much everyone that's listening to our show has watched the Texas Chainsaw and probably enjoys the Texas Chainsaw. So this is just interesting to kind of see what Toby Hooper did next because he'd obviously not quite had his fill of doing a couple of films. He wanted to do another one. Um, and kind of this is what we get. And this is a very bizarre sort of trippy kind of movie um, but yeah well worth a watch definitely definitely right uh, so this show has been as on point as any show we've ever done and uh, we shouldn't change things we should just keep rolling with it so we're going to take a short break when we come back from that break we're closing out the show right after this there are many mysteries in this world And whether you believe or not believe, we gather to explore the strange and unexplained, where the paranormal is normal and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network of Podcasts. Welcome back. Okay, so that's our three movies for this evening and probably one of our most amicable shows. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> we've just kind of rallied through, which is kind of cool. Um, obviously, it's, it's, it's interesting when we disagree, but sometimes, and I think probably more so in the case of these movies that are coming up, and um, we are going to agree so much more on the gradings um, just because they are much tamer movies. But like we said, it doesn't mean it's going to be any less entertaining. These are a lot more fun, and I'm finding that now. Um you know the, the, the few show, the couple of shows that we've done so far, and definitely the shows that we've got coming up. It's almost more in, it is a bit more enjoyable, isn't it? Just because the films are not as kind of depressing, and they're you know they're they're a lot more fun than the old ones. Um, so yeah, this is pretty good. This is a turn up for the books because I really wasn't expecting this, and this is like two episodes in, and we're recommending movies left, right, and centre, and uh, I did not see that coming. So yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, very, very, very strange, but welcome. I, I, I don't mind being in a position where me and you are agreeing with a lot of the same shit. Yeah, the shows are a bit quicker when we're doing that, but at the same time, if if for nothing else, doing this show has highlighted to me dead and buried, and I now know that I've seen that movie and want to see that movie again, then... Mm. You know, it wins. Uh, contam- in fact, all three of these movies were first-time watches for me. Contamination thoroughly enjoyed that um, and yeah Death Trap aka Eating Alive is batshit crazy but at least I can tick that off my list and say I watched it and enjoyed it uh, once again 
just stressing the enjoyment here is on the level of nonsense and not in the realms of good filmmaking because if you have if you've misinterpreted what we've said you went and expect this to be a well-made film then sorry uh, that's not what we said that's what the mm-hmm. screen Films one and three fall under that banner. Film two yeah. is a genuinely good movie, and I knew you'd like it. I said that to Rach. I said if Duncan's not seen this, he, he's going to really like. This. Oh yeah, this is the totally one hundred percent my sort of film. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Andy, we need to we need to find out though. In two weeks' time, when we reconvene on this show. What's the next three movies we're going to be doing? Right. For me, I don't know about for you, but for me, we are sinking back into the realm of unknown. Um, Deep River Savages, Don't Go in the Park, and Don't no, don't Go in the House, and Don't Go Near the Park. Not even near the park. Can I go near it? No. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll stay away from the park. Don't even go near it. All right. Fucking hell. That's a bit... <laughs> yeah. Let alone any. I'm not even allowed near the park. So I've only seen one. Films. Have you seen them? Yeah, I've seen one. I've seen Don't Go in the House. Okay. Why? Uh, why don't you? Why are we not allowed in the house? <laughs> actually, the, the, Don't Go in the House has a creepy fucking story. Uh, I've not seen it in a while, but the reason you can't go in the house is pretty creepy. I love, I love the the Don't movies because they're they're what inspired. Uh, Edgar Wright to do that fake trailer for the movie Don't yeah, and the, the Grindhouse. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And a lot of that is parodies of these Don't movies. So yeah, there's there's a uh, I I I I'm not gonna say it's a great movie, but I do remember seeing that movie a while ago and thinking it was pretty creepy. Uh, is that the one so, where like, on the front cover it's just some guy in like a hazmat suit with a flamethrower? Yes, right. I think that's the same one. Yeah, yeah, I think oh, that's I've picked my interest then definitely. So, so we've got we've got that movie, uh, another don't movie, obviously, um, uh, which I've not seen, and yeah, uh, Deep River Savages, I've never heard of before. Mm. So, um, I get the feeling that we're, I, I'm just going to say that I get the feeling we're not going to be as positive. Probably next time not, but we had a, we had a good run, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we had a good run of two shows, uh, but then the the show after that has Evil Dead, so I don't give a fuck. Yeah, so I get to bust out my Blu-ray of Evil Dead. Can't wait, actually can't fucking wait. So yeah, uh, so I, I think at this point in the show, it's probably it's probably good to remind people that you know support the shows on horrorphilia.com. Thank you very much to Jason Lloyd for giving this show a home. Um, we probably are uh, the niche, the most niche show on the Horrorphilia Network. Yeah, uh, obviously we, we, keep, we lost that in the top 10 to Skeleton Crew and Banana Laser, but, oh, we're, yeah, but we're bound fair, to, fair, aren't we? I mean, we're not going to compete with those guys. But. Fair play. When the Skeleton Crew puts out a show every week, you might as well just take that month off <laughs> because <laughs> they, they went through every week and all of that, but they covered arguably one of the most popular franchises in, the, in, in horror and the the Nightmare on Elm Street. And those shows are excellent, by yeah, the way. So Alex really... Certainly in good company. Alex really went above and beyond with with how he he does those shows and puts those shows out. And they, were, they were a joy to listen to. I mean, Podcast Under the Stairs is about to run through them with the Baz as part of uh, Baz I, I, I literally can't wait for that because like number I, number three is such a good film and I just can't wait to hear what he's got to say about that. And number two, to be honest as well, like, I can't wait to see what he makes of that weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I actually... From my point of view, I'm more excited to hear what it makes of the ones after, just because I don't like any of the ones after three. No, I mean, really. I mean, I, do you know what? I I really enjoyed Final Nightmare. 
a fucking... I loved how surreal and weird it is just in that weird little town where there's no kids and stuff. I think I really enjoy that. But four and five can go fuck themselves. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind New Nightmare actually. I don't mind as a kind of proto scream. I, I don't mind them. Yeah, I, don't I didn't realise. Do you know what? I heard the guys on podcast on Haunted Hill talking about Wes Craven's New Nano when they did their retro, and it made me go back and revisit it. And the only thing that annoys me is that screaming kid. He ruins that movie yeah. for me. Yeah, he's, he's the Bob of that movie. Oh, God, he's the Bob and the Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> the Bob Jar Jar. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a precursor to Scream. I never noticed it before until the until, uh, yeah. guys on podcast and Holland Hill said it. It's, yeah, he was, he, was, he was experimenting with a lot of ideas, which he refined when he came to do Scream. So, yeah, so we're going to be working through that. But like I say, Jason Lloyd, thank you very much for giving this show a home. And we are proud members of the the Horophilia Podcast Network until this show goes off the air in November. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, but you can check me out. I've got other shows, but my main one is the podcast Under the Stairs. You can check that out on podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, and uh, part of the Legion Podcast Network, which is the same place you can find the back catalogue of Big Horror and Little Podcast which is on hiatus just now until Andy has finished decorating. Well, Finn, yeah, I'm done doing, basically we're doing the whole house up to sell it. So bathroom at the minute uh, and then various other rooms in the house are going to get uh, sorted out before I pop up the market. But we will be back at some point because we do enjoy doing the show, but we just haven't got around to it. So, uh, yeah, check out our back catalogue uh, to keep you tied over. And obviously uh, Duncan shows reeling with uh, one episode a week. It's some great stuff coming up, so check that out as well. And you're going to be guesting on uh, one of the, the Vincent Price, Christopher Lee ones uh, yeah. coming up in the next couple of weeks. You're going to be on that show. And uh, we've already recorded it, and it was a fun conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, it was great, actually. Yeah, I really enjoyed both of them films. Yeah, so um, I think this is the appropriate time now, Andy, to say thank you very much to our listeners. Um, would you like to say uh, goodbye to them? Yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks to everyone uh, who contributes to the page, etc., etc. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks for um, three more, hopefully, good movies. Maybe not, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, everyone, take care of yourselves. Bye. 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 They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.